welcome to FitStory TV, the only platform that is focused on storytelling for fitness experts. Our mission with this podcast is to empower you to harness your vulnerability and lead with your story. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. On today's episode, we chat with Lexi DeYoung, a passionate, hardworking female entrepreneur that coaches women how to combine mental and physical health to radically take control of their life, own their confidence and see their worth. Now, Lexi has a powerful story that I know will resonate with a ton of people listening, especially those that have or still battle with eating disorders. Throughout her story, you'll hear how she completely lost control of her life when health and fitness and eating became something that just consumed every living minute of her day. But you'll also hear how she worked through it and became an influential figure on Instagram and YouTube for thousands of women worldwide. This one is epic, so let's get into it. Yo, what is going on, Fit Story fam? Matthew Burbridge here with my co-host, Perry Power. What's going on, bro? Bro, what is going on? It's a fine day, fine evening, coming up towards Christmas, nothing better, man. I know, right? Now, before we do get started on today's episode, I've got to say two things before we dive into the guest and and get to know her fit story. I just want to say these two things. And the first thing is a bit of a shameless plug. We have just run a three-day story selling challenge, and you need to be in that challenge if you want to learn how to leverage your story to attract, engage, and convert your ideal client. Storytelling is an art. takes a very long time to hone in on these skills and develop the skill set. But if you use our three-day challenge, we can kind of fast-track that process for you. So that's the first thing that I wanted to say. If you want to get in on the challenge, you're listening to this podcast now, and you're like, damn, that does sound fun, then all you have to do is join our community. We'll make sure that the link to the group is in the show notes. The second thing, there you go. That was a one-minute shameless plug. I got it done. The second thing that I want to talk about is the fact that it is almost Christmas, right? Who's excited? I fucking am. Who isn't, (laughs) mate? I'm excited. December 25th, it is going to go down. And uh, this is the thing. Christmas is the time of the year where people are buying presents and for loved ones and sending, you know, cards cross country around the world and spending tons of money on presents and just spending like a crazy mofo. Uh, It makes us feel good and others feel good, which is great. Um, and I can't wait to see the look on my daughter's face when she opens some of her presents. It's going to be amazing. But I just want to send a little reminder out because we have this platform and because I know people are listening and I want to use this platform for a for, for good cause. Of course, you don't just want to turn up and, and, you know, not use it for something good when we know people are listening. And I just want to send the thought out really of sparing a moment for people who don't have much this time of year. You know, some people are homeless. I've been homeless before. It's not very nice. Some people are sleeping out in cold temperatures, cold enough to fucking kill, kill them, quite literally. Some people are sick and they're laying in hospital beds. Other people, it might even be their last Christmas. So I think that whilst it's cool buying new shit and giving and receiving gifts, that's all good. It's also cool to spend a moment to be grateful for what we have. And I think it's just a really good time to bring that up as we head into this part of the year. So um, just a gentle reminder to to be grateful for what we do have, you dig? Anyway, 
with that said, let's get into the show because I am damn excited. I know Perry's excited too. Uh, this episode, uh, we actually got connected with the guest through a mutual friend of ours, Jacob Kaufman. And Lexi, I'll be honest, he spoke very highly of you. Okay. Oh, um, so <laughs> yeah, he spoke very highly of you. And as always with the old cliche thing, a friend of Jake's is a friend of ours. So, you got <laughs> so before we get started and kind of dive into your fit story, I just want to say I've been following you for a little bit now because of obviously the connection with Jake. And can I just say that the legitimate, the dedication that you have to delivering consistent value on social media is fucking nothing short of inspiring. It kind of makes mm -hmm. me feel like we need to level up our content game. <laughs> you know? So you, yeah, you, you're killing it. I love it. Well, thank you. It's social media, like Instagram and YouTube is my way of sharing my story, you know, and it's what I love to do. So I'm just grateful that it's a job for me. And I'm so grateful to be on this podcast. It's kind of like you said, Jake spoke so highly of you guys and a friend of Jake's is a friend of mine. So um, uh, I really, feel like really I want a group hug. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you. So um, I, I know kind of, I know we're going to get into like the meat and bones of your story, which is really cool. I'm really excited for that. Um, but could you, if you had to just briefly tell our listeners what you do as a coach, kind of who you help, um, kind of just give us the skeleton because we're going to, like I said, get into it a bit deeper as, as we go through this episode. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about who, like who you help and what you do as a coach. Yeah. So I am a fitness and nutrition coach. I'm a lifestyle coach. So um, I do focus a lot on the mindset side of things with my clients. And my goal is really to help fitness be something that makes everyone's lives better um and that fits into their lives rather than consumes it and you know as a tool to help women um step into their power and own their value and their worth um, and i'm just a firm believer that you know mental and physical health truly do go hand in hand so um i work with all women um and i this will make sense as we get deeper into my story, but I do work with a lot of women who struggle with self-confidence, who struggle with body image issues or um, a tricky relationship with food. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I do. That's awesome. And, it, and it's probably a good time to mention that you are fast approaching like 150,000 followers on Instagram now. <laughs> You're like killing it over there. Um, so. You. Yeah, I see. It's like 120 now, isn't it? So you're going to be, yeah. you'll be, you'll be smashing, especially with how much content you dig out as well. Um, so I'm curious though, to know how all of that actually came to be, because I'm sure you didn't wake up one day and this was all, you know, doing what you love and helping these women yeah. and, and growing your business and doing what you're doing. So we're really, really excited to dive into this and get into your fit story. Okay. Now, first things first, like imagine this, right? Imagine I've just got a time machine and I was like, Lexi, I need you to get in this time machine uh, and I want you to step into it and I want you to go back in time and I want you to tell us a little bit about what life was like for you growing up before fitness was in your life. So kind of everything that you can remember up until the point where you kind of got into fitness and things. Okay, so... I'm really going to try to not talk for forever, but <laughs> it's okay. I love it uh, so 
Would you like me to nudge in if you start? <laughs> yeah, if I start blabbing away, definitely just nudge in. But we'll, we'll go, through, go through the years, start from the beginning. So it's my um, favorite part, by the way, of the, the, really? the whole thing. Yeah, people's backstories. I love it. So go. It's funny because we all come from such different places, but mm. you know where we come from really does impact like where we are now. And I, I know I can look back and be like, everything that happened happened to me for a reason like it makes so much sense why I'm here now you know yeah. so yeah. um I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago so I grew up in the Midwest um I have an amazing family mom dad brother sister I was the oldest um and nothing horrible at all but my brother and sister both grew up with their own kind of like medical issues and I was always the one who was great like I was super healthy I was like the perfect child I got straight A's I was super well behaved my brother just had really really bad ADHD and dyslexia so he was like always getting in trouble um like got kicked out of school my sister was type 1 diabetic is type 1 diabetic um so she was always just needed a lot of attention so um this will kind of make sense as I get further into everything but I was just always kind of like the poster child, right? Like I was an amazing athlete. I was an amazing student. I was um, healthy and I just was like the caretaker of my brother and sister. Like everyone else needed attention, but not me. And so I spent a lot of my life kind of like taking care of my brother and sister um, and just trying to like make life as easy as I could for my parents. And everything was seriously great. Like I'm not someone who I had a lot of like childhood trauma anything like that um everything was great until i was 11 or 12 and that's when i was diagnosed with diabetes at 11 um so i joined my sister there and then celiac disease at 12 which now are both things that i live with and don't seem like a big deal but mm. at the time my world was just turned upside down like i could not just have pizza with my friends i had to go give myself insulin shots or like wear my pump like clipped onto my pants um and so for me someone who I'd always like steered away from attention it was like mortifying and I thought no one would like me um and so I really spent up until about a few years ago like hiding those things like I would hide in the bathroom to give myself insulin um I would just eat gluten and act like it didn't matter um just because like i wanted to fit in which um now makes me sad to think about but at the time that's just like how it was and i didn't think twice about it uh, mechanism i guess it is yeah yeah um and that's always been the biggest thing for me it's just like if something makes me uncomfortable i just avoid it like that has been me my whole life so um i went to boarding school um when i was a freshman in high school um and it wasn't like i was a bad kid i like got a full ride scholarship for sports and academics and whatever so i went to boarding school freshman year was freaking great um sophomore year um i remember i don't remember if i was at home or if i was like on my way home from my freshman year on my way to my sophomore year but I remember my mom telling me, we were like sitting in the car and she was like, you'd look a lot 
better if you turn some of the weight you gained um, into muscle. It's like now, like obviously me being like, okay, like you can't just turn weight into muscle. (laughs) But I remember my mom saying that because I just gained a decent amount of weight my freshman year, like freshman 15 high school edition. And that was like the first negative attention I really like ever received from my mom. Um, And so my sophomore year, when I went back to school, I like made it my mission to lose some weight. And it just started as a healthy, like, I'm going to make smart choices. I'm going to eat salad instead of like French fries at lunch. Um, I'm going to work out a little bit extra and, um, eating disorders run in my family, but I think, like, I have, like, two aunts and my mom both struggled with eating disorders, but for me, between, like, October, August and October, um, I lost, like, 30-something pounds, um, and it just became, like, so, so bad. Like, I wasn't eating. I was working out, like, multiple times a day. Um, I basically got like benched kicked off all the sports teams i was on um because i it's making sense already from what you said earlier um when you mentioned that you help people now with kind of like not being obsessive about this lifestyle it's making sense it's clicking together i love it yeah yeah so that's where a lot of um kind of where I'm at now stems from is just that period of being like so stuck in an eating disorder. So um, I was, went to school in August by February. Um, I just remember calling my dad, asking him to pick me up because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I couldn't stop, you know, I would like hide and like work out in the bathroom. I would like, like I was basically like on like full restriction at school like everyone was watching me because I was just deteriorating um and I would like be sneaking around trying to like not eat and work out like it was a mess um and that phase of my life is really all just a blur now like it's really hard for me to connect to but um my dad picked me up it was Valentine's Day of my sophomore year um and just to kind of fast forward from there so my sophomore year of high school for the next five years, I was kind of in and out of treatment centers um, for anorexia and bulimia, um, exercise addiction. So <laughs> that was kind of that. Like there were phases of me going back to school, going back to treatment. But can I ask a question there, actually? Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious, because part of our mission with what we do. Um, in helping fitness professionals kind of harness their vulnerability like you're doing now and and sharing their story. Um, Part of why we do that is because we know there's like a big problem, right? That has been a problem for a long time now um, that, you know, people, kids uh, throwing their meals away at school because they need to try and lose, they want to lose weight and look a certain way. And with the the pressures of social media and Instagram and these images and all of that stuff, it kind of adds to that. And um, part of what we do is is based, when we first ever set this company up, we were like, we want to solve the problem of that, like stopping people from feeling like they have uh, body confidence issues because of how there's like some unrealistic expectation of some fucking person on Instagram, right? And we know that exists and they're already throwing a lot of money at it. There's already charities trying to solve the problem. Like, and it's not doing it. People are still still in that place. 
so I'm curious and like obviously with this this is this is part of our contribution to trying to solve that problem and, and cure that problem um, because money obviously isn't working and these charities obviously isn't working you know so maybe stories can be the thing that helps change the narrative of what someone's thinking about their life and how they should look and their body um, and that's really what we're trying to do with what we do at fit story but I'm curious to know how much of a role at that point in your life social media played and if it was um if that was actually a factor as well to like seeing models on instagram and you know certain celebrities looking a certain way or was that not a factor and it was all just focused on kind of like losing weight and becoming obsessed with that thing um i did not have instagram i don't think it was anything to do with social media which i totally agree that um that is such an issue whether it's about body image or just people thinking money will make them happy or whatever there's so you know instagram youtube whatever is such a highlight reel um and i think at that phase because that was probably like 10 years ago now um i was not i didn't even like know what instagram was like <laughs> you know what i mean like i was yeah. not was not there um but you know what I think, and just my personal opinion when it comes to, you know, people developing eating disorders, your like horrible relationship with relationships with food, so much of it does, yes, come from media, right? Um, social media, TV, magazines, whatever. Um, but I think for everyone, it in large part is people looking for somewhere to place their value right and like for me I had been someone who I I placed my value on like what I did right because my whole life I was achieved or I was I guess um given attention for what I achieved right and being good at yeah. things this was the first time I'd ever received negative attention so in my eyes my body was the thing that didn't make me good enough and I know for myself going through my eating disorder and so many people just don't get this, but it was not about my body at all. Like there were like, it became almost just like an obsession. It became like a game, but you're not sitting there like, Oh, I just want to keep losing weight. I just want to keep losing weight. It, it controls you. Right. And I remember feeling like, I was like, I look like I'm going to die. I look horrible, but I couldn't stop um mm. and i think so much of it was just that i did not value myself and i didn't value my worth as a person so as a coach for people who struggle with the same stuff obviously not not to the same degree <laughs> that is like beyond my what i can do um i don't have like the degrees and stuff to help people with like clinical eating disorders but it's all about like what is you, stepping into their worth, helping women step into their value just as people. Because um, I think it's so easy when there are these expectations and people you look up to who they look a certain way. You're like, if I look like that, then I'll be like that, right? Or I'll feel like how I think they feel. And in reality, um, you can fix your body all you want, but until you see your value just like as a person. You're, it's not gonna matter you know I've been and I'm a competitor now I've been 
30 pounds leaner. Like when I'm about to get on stage, I weighed way more than I do now. Um, and I never felt okay or confident with myself until really just a few months ago when I was like stepping into all of my gifts and realizing what I have to offer this world has literally nothing to do with like the body that I'm in, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I'm really glad that you've um, shared that part of your story as well, because because it is a it is a fucking problem. Like pe- people get obsessed with it. I I did when when I did my bodybuilding show. After my bodybuilding show, there was a, a set period of time, probably a couple of months, maybe three, where I'd been really lean, and you know I was like, yeah, I'll fucking I've been on stage now as a bodybuilder. I'm definitely going to do it again. Like I was locked into this headspace where I was just like, that's what I want to do, and um, I ended up then obviously I know stuff some stuff about off season and. I, I'd spoken to a couple of people and stuff like that. And, and honestly, after competing, my whole goal was to add as much size as possible. Like you get just stuck like off season. I'm just going to get fucking massive. And then for next year, <laughs> like it'll be cool. Cause I'll have this much more muscle. But what actually happened was I wasn't really controlling my food. I kind of went over the top with that, get bigger and eat more thing. And I ended up just eating shit tons of ev- anything and everything and ended up re- rebounding quite bad. You know, like I had a gut again. I was just not, not really feeling as fit, not as healthy. So I went like fully over the edge on that, you know, because I was just locked into this certain way of thinking about it. And um, I pulled myself out after like three months. I spoke to the coach that took me through my bodybuilding prep. And um, he, he basically just told me that he's a clinical nutritionist. He's been in the game for like 40 years. He's an incredible man. And uh, he, he basically told me that, um, and it was, if he hadn't said this, I probably would have still been trying to put size on now. <laughs> I probably still would have been eating 250 grams of porridge oats in the morning. You know, oh bed. Fuck. Um, but he basically said like, uh, you know, this is a natural bodybuilding um, champion. He's, he's won 14 titles in his life, all natural. And, uh, and he showed me a picture of what I looked like um, basically pre pre-stage when I wasn't I was I was maybe like five six weeks out which is like maintainable like I could I could maintain that you know that five six weeks out I wasn't super lean I could have maintained that and I showed me a picture he showed me a picture of what I looked like in the gym when I was doing a bicep curl that he caught on his phone and my gut was like hanging out of my t-shirt and he was like Matt which one of these looks better like for you which one looks and feels better and which body did you feel better in and I was like well that one and he was like so why am I doing this I was like, uh, because, because it's off season. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like in my head, I just, it's like, as if that was like something that was really important. And it was like off season. What, what are you talking about? Just, just like, this is about your health, man. Like you've, you've rebounded really bad and it's going to continue to get worse if you carry on. Like, and if it wasn't for him saying that, I probably wouldn't have reined it in. And um, that's what I had to do. So what, the stuff that you're speaking about now is, is massively relatable to, even my journey so yeah and to a lot of people listening i think a lot of people yeah so i'm i'm curious then um after obviously going through that phase and and going through your sophomore year and and in high school and going through this because that is that is trauma of some some kind you know people people are really badly stuck on that and it's and it's really messing their life up how how what steps did you take to to start solving that for yourself yeah so 
I was in and out of treatment centers for like five years, like I said. Um, and it was always kind of like, oh, like my parents want me to go. Like I have nowhere to be, like live if I don't go, you know? And um, I'm sure you guys and everyone listening knows like unless you want to work through your shit, like you're not going to. Um, and treatment almost became like a safe place for me. It was like, I just eat the food. I don't have to deal with life or anything. I don't have to worry about being good at things, about getting approval from other people. Like it just became who I was and it became my identity when I went home. Everyone knew me as like the girl with the eating disorder, right? Like that, that's just who I was. Um, and of course it's like, why the fuck would you want to be seen like that? Um, but I think for me, it truly just became like an escape from having to always perform. Um, so I really didn't recover until I went to college. Um, I was like doing okay at the time. I started to relapse my freshman year of college. And um, I remember I got caught. I was getting weighed in at like the nurse's office at school because that was like I had to gain like X amount of weight a week to stay at school. Um, and I was in a very bad, <laughs> very bad position. Um, and I was like stuffing rocks and like, wearing a ton of jewelry. I was like stuffing, stuffing like rocks and coins and shit, like all in my like pants and in my bra. Um, I was like chugging gallons of water before I went in, um, like hoping that it could make me seem like I gained weight. Right. And I got caught. So they called my parents and I remember my parents were like, I cannot believe we're fucking doing this again. Like really after all of this like you want to leave school the one thing you've worked so hard to get to um to go back to treatment and there was just something about that like moment in that confrontation with my parents where I was like I don't want this like I want to live my life and four or five years like my life was literally treatment um and like hanging out with other people who were like recovering from eating disorders. Like I did nothing else. Um, and I was like, I want to like do college. I really like these people that I'm like living with in my dorm. Like I want to go out and all of that. So um, from there, obviously it's never perfect, but I realized I cannot have the life that I want um, and be the person that I want if I keep holding on to this thing just because it's what I know and it's what keeps me safe. So uh, from the, that's really what made me recover. And I think a lot of people think that I like found fitness and that's how I recovered. And it really wasn't. I think for the first eight, 10 months of my recovery, I just went out to eat a lot with my friends. because <laughs> um, I like knew I needed to gain weight. I like partied a decent amount. Um, gained plenty of weight back and then after that I is when I started training because I was like I know I love this because of all the sports I played my whole life I always loved lifting I was always like very strong for I was always known as like the small strong and fast girl that was like me I was like Miss Athletic growing up you were so, always gonna gravitate to that mm, again, yeah. yeah at some point yeah mm. but I knew for me I, I was like I can't 
start running again because that for me was just all about like how many calories can I burn and how skinny can I get? So I was like, oh, I'm snap. <laughs> Fuck it out. I'm finding a lot of re- relation here. <laughs> <laughs> I literally spent so long doing that. I was like, I can't even run. Like, uh, you don't understand how many calories that burns. <laughs> like, what the yeah. fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of like how I started lifting. And then um, my Instagram actually started, this is very interesting, very interesting. So I'm not someone who like blew up overnight. Okay. I've had my Instagram. I'm 25 now. I've had my Instagram since the end of my sophomore year of college. So that's like six or seven years. Yeah. Um, and it started out as like a private account. No one at school knew. Um, I kept it because I would take pictures of my food to like hold myself accountable for eating. Um, I think my first handle was like hungry for health or something like that. <laughs> Um, and that's how my Instagram started. And then kind of as I started getting into lifting and working out, like I just started sharing that, like, it's always just been me sharing my life. And you guys know, if you follow, like you guys have seen my account, like I post a lot more like valuable content, but I have found that like the most valuable content and what has gotten me to where I am is literally just me sharing my journey as I go through it. Um, so that's really what got me to where I am is starting that Instagram account, posting my food, starting to post gym selfies, talking about what I was struggling with, talking about what I was doing well with. And then as I got more into bodybuilding and lifting, and that just became a larger piece of my life. And as I started learning more about it, because I'm just like a nerd and you know I was like I'm gonna get certification I'm gonna start researching all this stuff working with different coaches um I just started sharing that knowledge and um people just started coming to me being like hey can you help me and there was a lot of females who kind of were where I had started right or um were struggling with the same things I was working through um and I started that like my senior year of college and it took me a couple years. I like worked a full-time corporate job for like eight months. Um, and after that, it just kind of was able to be my full-time hmm. thing. Do you know what um, I love to say there as well? Like it, I, this, I think this is just testament to how powerful it is to share your journey. Like if there's, co- there is coaches listening to this episode and um, some are not sharing you know, their story or their journey or their setbacks, their mistakes. And I think what Lexi's saying is, is testament, you know, to the fact that you need to be doing that. Like, and, and doing it from a place like you were doing it, not for the reason of your account blown up, right? And making fucking a business out of it. At the start, yeah. you did it for you. You did it for something that, you know, you could, you, could put some, you could put some energy into and kind of journal a little bit. Like, I assume that's the reason why you started yeah, it. The it beginning. totally for me and for like the community and that's exactly it um so many people i so many people talk about the fitness industry being very saturated and i get it there's a lot of coaches but what people don't realize is clients don't sign up with you because of your knowledge like maybe if it's their first time tapping into like the fitspo whatever community they're like oh she seems like she knows what she's doing or like she looks good but people no, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of coaches. People sign up with you because they can relate to you and because they like you. 
Um, and they're only going to get to know you if they know your story. Um, and people like relatable people. Like that's, people don't like to feel like they're just talking to a brick wall, you know, and that's why yeah. I coach the way I coach. And that's why I share the way that I share on social media too, is like, nothing makes me as an influencer or as a coach any different than anyone who follows me right so why would I put myself on a pedestal yeah. um you know if you're not a coach and you're listening to this like think about that right like there are a million coaches who've all taken the same courses and done the same research and whatever like who do you relate to and like who's who do you think can help you get to where you want to be not just physically but also like with, with how you feel about yourself and who do you think you can have a relationship with, you know? And I think that's something that gets so missed and just blown over with coaches is they think the more like info that they share, the more clients they're going to get. And like, it's bullshit. Like I scroll through my feed and I see the same five posts like 200 times, you know? <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's, it's, it's backward. It should be the opposite way around. It should be sharing more of, of you and your realness and just being authentic and sharing struggles. That is what should take lead. And then, which is why we have the, you know, us, our slogan, if you will, is, is lead with your story, you know, because yeah. if you lead with that, it's going to create this emotional bridge, this connection between you and the people that follow you. And, and this, I've said this so many times as well around information, like information based content. We aren't in any lack of it. <laughs> fuck and if information was you know the reason why your ideal client isn't getting the results they, that they want then they may as well just shoot themselves now because there's so much information like i said this on the last podcast it's there's so there's li literally i can learn to play the fucking piano on youtube yep <laughs> like that's the day and age we live in like i can legitimately go on to youtube and learn how to play like the fucking trombone if i wanted right there's there's so much information but there's and especially in the fitness industry like you mentioned and there's i feel like now more and more people are breaking out and bringing stories out and just sharing themselves but i think that there's a lot of resistance you know i think that one of the reasons is people feel like they might lose authority if they share a struggle but it's just not true it's the opposite way around people you will bridge the gap you know so that's what I, I truly believe. I'm, I'm curious. I just want to backtrack slightly because the, the part that you said earlier on really hit me about letting go of your old identity in order for you to be able to move forward. And we talk a lot about identity shifts, you know, how people aren't buying, you know, your ideal, your client isn't buying a fucking booty program or, you know, six pack abs that what they're buying is an identity shift that's what they're buying into that's what they want that's what they desire is to shift their identity and i'm curious where you've obviously been through quite a drastic identity shift and you kind of had to let go of that what is like the number one tip that you could give to someone who what is your old version of you to move forward and shift that identity there's so freaking much, but I think what I would tell myself, and this is something I even remind myself of now, because I feel like, you know, our identity and what we want is always shifting. And I'm someone who like, that's hard, right? But I think what I would tell myself is to think about, one, to think about, you know, like where hold, holding on to that identity had gotten me and like all the things that 
I'd miss out on, um, you know, all the shit that I'd done to other people to hold on to that. Um, but I think more importantly, I would tell myself to just focus on the vision I had for myself because mm. I've always known that I was meant to do a lot. And that's something I think I still struggle with, you know, so I'm like, I meant to do so much more, right? But focusing on that and where I wanted to be, because um, I think if you, if any of us really focus on the vision we have for ourselves or the legacy we want to leave or the impact that we want to have, um, holding on to an eating disorder has zero fucking part in that, you know? And um, being like negative 5% body fat had zero part in that. And it held me back in a million different ways, right? So for me, that's something I still remind myself of when I'm struggling with anything is I'm like, is holding onto this getting me closer to mm. where I wanna be? Like, is this the impact that I wanna have on other people? Am I doing that right now? Am I living that right now? And even if you're not where you want to be, like, live like you are, treat yourself like you are, you know, if you want to recover from an eating disorder, wake up and tell yourself you're recovered from your fucking eating disorder. And that's literally what <laughs> I did. I kind of cut out people who like I was in treatment with all the time. I didn't talk about the fact I was recovering from an eating disorder. And at the time it was very subconscious, but now I'm like, it makes so much sense. Cause I was like, I need to leave this behind and be who I want to be right now. Mm. Um, so yeah, just live in your vision, you know? Yeah, That's powerful. I, I guess um, one of the biggest problems though, right, is actually admitting to yourself that you have said issue. Like my dad is not the same as an eating disorder, but it's still a problem in and of its own. So my dad, he was an invisible alcoholic, but part of his problem was he didn't want to admit to himself that he was an alcoholic. And then when we sent him to AA meetings, right, to actually get help and be in a room full of other people going through the same journey as him, he did, only did one session because he didn't want to sit in a room with other people going through the same thing as him because it reminded him that he had a problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess one, that's, that's probably step one, right? Is actually admitting to yourself that you have that problem going on and you actually need to solve it. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's the hardest part, you know? Because um, I know for me, the moment I realized I had a problem was that moment I was like sitting on the stairs of my high school dorm room calling my dad because I, I like literally thought I was going to die because um, I couldn't make myself eat and not work out. And I remember that was the moment that I was like, I have a problem. And I think when I got caught in college, whatever, I was like, the fact I can't let go of this and just be a normal college kid, even though that's all I've wanted for years, like just reaffirmed the fact that like I had a problem that I needed to work through. But I think that's the hardest part for anyone right like you can't solve anything you can't be who you want to be until you identify what's holding you back mm. um and yeah i i mean i just relate to that so hard because i think that is the hardest part for most people and then you kind of get to that point where you recognize it and it's like okay like how do i fix this now right and that's a whole nother battle 
Well, um, it, it, this is why it's important for people to, 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 to share their story because it's not that hard of a battle for some people when they read your story, for example, someone who's stuck there, they'll just relate to that and that you are the fucking guide. Like you are the guide that's helping those people, you know? So yeah, it can be really difficult because there's a sea of information and a, you know, fucking barrage of different stuff they could do. But because of people like you, Lexi, uh, and great coaches like you, people that people don't have to struggle so long because they 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 can relate to you and that that can change their narrative you know yeah and i was going to ask a question about a rock bottom because we love asking questions about rock bottoms um and i wasn't going to but the fact that you just kind of had a little smile there i am going to actually ask you <laughs> so during uh, obviously let's set off from like where you're helping people now right and you're actually coaching people through this stuff. Can you can you remember a rock bottom moment that you had during that time where you are where you were and are a coach, but was experiencing a, a person or a business rock bottom that kind of stopped you in your tracks? Like more recent rock bottom? It, it, any that come to mind. If there's a recent one, cool, super. Yeah. So not like insanely recent, but this is actually the first time I've talked about this. So this is going to be like really hard so bear with me Uh, but obviously as a social media influencer I have a very supportive community but I think being the type of influencer that I am um, I get a lot of slack especially about my body Um, and you know, people say shit, and I'm usually pretty good about not letting it get to me. People say shit like, you know, you gained a lot of weight. Like, do all of your clients do that? Like, I can't believe you coach people if you can't even, like, keep, like, reel it in, right? And, like, whatever. It's my job as an influencer to not let that get to me, right? And to stay true to my vision, my message. But I think there was a time where I really lost sight of that. And um, kind of like I was talking about, like there's always something deeper behind like our actions, right? Like behind my eating disorder in large part was my need for approval, my need for attention, because I never felt like I got it growing up Um, and the need to feel good at something. So I don't know if any of you guys know the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram three. So like a performer. I care a lot about what other people think about me. And um, I always want to make everyone happy. So this is going to seem really weird because body image is not something that I really struggle with. Um, so when this all went down, people were like, I can't believe like, I, th- I thought you were confident in your body. You're such a liar. Um, but I did go through a phase where not a ton, but I like edited some of my pictures and I got called out on it. And it literally tore me apart. Um, And it tore me apart because I was like, how could I have done this? Like, I'm someone who I preach, like, body positivity and loving yourself. Yeah. Um, And I'm, like, hurting all of these people who, like, idolize me. You know, I'm hurting my clients who I'm, like, telling to be confident. And I felt so lost because, like I said, I wasn't even struggling with body image like I 
woke up, felt fine, go to the gym and my sports bra and shorts. Like I didn't think twice about it. And I was like, it almost felt like I was just so disconnected from myself and my purpose and what I was doing. And I was literally just trying to make everyone happy. Like I wanted everyone to like me and I, it's like, okay, how is that a rock bottom? And I think it was for my business a bit, not because I lost a ton of business. I didn't. I think my account's grown so slow, people really know me. And I was very lucky that the people who knew me and knew my intention stuck by me because I'd never had anything but very, very pure intentions. Yeah. But for me, I think the rock bottom piece of it was I've never felt so disconnected and ashamed of myself. Um, mm. And it at the time, um, I remember I actually called Jake and I was like, what the fuck do I do? I was like, these old photos, like I like I got called out on it. Like, I don't know what to do. Do I say anything? Um, and I remember everyone just telling me like, don't say anything, just move on, like live in your purpose. And that was so hard for me because at the time, like I literally just wanted to make everyone happy. And I wanted to make the people who called me out happy. I wanted to explain everything, even to the people who didn't even know. Um, and to this day, that's why I haven't talked about it is, I wanted it to come from a place of providing value rather than a place of defending myself yeah. because that's what I'm here to do. And I mean, now I feel like I'm in that place where I can talk about it. And obviously I wanted to give context, but I'm not making an excuse for doing what I'm doing. But I think the value that I want to provide is just, <laughs> I want everyone to realize that again, like me doing that had nothing to do with me not valuing my body. It came from me not seeing the value in myself and seeking a approval um, and affirmation from other people in order to see my value. Yeah. Um, and that's, does that make sense? I just, hundred percent. I just want to say, I love you for sharing that. So thank you. And um, I, I think that you know, like I'm not at the stage where, you know, I've got 50,000, 60,000, a hundred thousand followers. I would, I, and on Instagram, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm an influencer yet one day. We'll see. Oh, you will be. But yeah, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement, Gail. Um, so it's kind of like I get, but I know as well from speaking to a lot of coaches, there is a lot of fucking pressure on, on that platform and it's an image-based platform, which makes it even harder, you know? We yeah. have to show up in a certain way for our businesses and for ourselves. Um, but when it's a picture-based platform, like an image-based platform, I, I find that that's much harder to do, you know? Like, I'll be very honest now because you've been extremely honest. Like, I fucking, I, I don't see myself as being like a, a good-looking guy. Yeah, I never have. Because when I was younger, I used to be, like I had buck teeth, my teeth stuck out, curly hair. I used to get picked on all the time for being really skinny. My clavicle bone used to stick out. Just took a lot of shit for it. And even from my, my brother, you know, my older brother, like he used to call me fucking a weird looking little kid and things like that. So I just grew up not really thinking that I was a, a good looking guy and that like, you know, I'd never be able to have good looking girlfriends and stuff like that. And even today, I'll be very fucking honest. I struggle to post pictures on Instagram 
because I still see, like, I still see that, you know, even though I have a beautiful partner, like my partner is beautiful. She's got a big booty too, which is cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's beautiful, you know, and, and my daughter's beautiful and, and I've obviously got a good gene, but like, I still have that. I still like, I'll struggle, you know, same with my teeth. Like I used to get picked on for my teeth and I hate my teeth. So in photos, I don't really ever smile. So for a long time, when I would post pictures of myself online, I would just like look like I have a resting bitch face. But people and people would say things like, oh, you look miserable or you you look like a thug or blah, blah, blah. And eventually I had to explain the story behind why I don't smile much, you know, and it kind of made sense for people then. But honestly, like I struggle with that even now, you know. Um, so I appreciate you sharing some of those things because I do feel like there's a lot of pressure on that platform specifically on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like, I don't even want to, I guess, draw attention to that because it's like, it's what I signed up for. Like I don't have to use yeah. Instagram, you know, but I think for me, it was just a big turning point for me. Like I can't explain it besides, you know, like a week after, after it kind of like fizzled out, I dealt with a lot of the shit I got for it. Mm. Um, and I also got a lot of support, a lot of support through it. Um, which I guess, again, is just like the power of sharing your story, right? It's not like I'm just posting booty pics up there with like an emoji as the caption. Like I laugh, <laughs> I really know me, you know, but, um, it really was the moment where I truly connected with my vision and what I meant to do. Um, and since then, I have never felt more just like powerful and in alignment, which it's wow. crazy how sometimes it takes something to tear you down um, for me to realize that, yeah, like Instagram's an image-based pa platform, but like for me, like people don't give a shit about that and it does not, like that does not matter to me, you know, and um, it had nothing to do with body image like I said like it if it wasn't Instagram it would have been me trying to like alter something or like come across a certain way mm. uh, differently on a different platform but I think that was the moment I was like it does not matter who approves of me and who doesn't it doesn't matter if I get like 10 DMs of people criticizing my body or 10 people telling me how good I look um if people are so preoccupied with how I look, like they aren't aligned with my message and what I want to do anyways, you know? And so I think it really helped me to just like start a new chapter yeah. uh, and really think about like what I wanted and what I wanted to bring and what I want to help people with. Um, and so, you know, you have to hit rock bottom to like come up. And for me, I think it was a very slow decline of just feeling very lost and like what do people mm -hmm. even want like <laughs> what do people want from me why yeah. does not everyone like me because obviously as your instagram grows like there's more people who don't like you and i was like what am i doing wrong like what is wrong with me um and just realizing like there's nothing fucking wrong with me right yeah. like just because people don't like me doesn't mean that i'm not lovable you know just because i'm not getting all positive attention doesn't mean i'm not deserving of it um 100%. So. Yeah. And, and I, I have to agree with you as well. It really is. Sometimes you just have to go through those rock bottoms for you to be able to come out the other side. 
and and when you do you you learn you know there's a there's a lesson every time a hundred percent man there is a lesson every single time um your story is extremely powerful lexi it's like you underplayed it before we uh hit live and started going <laughs> you know your story is super powerful and like all stories you know they do make us who we are you know they mold us um both you know physically mentally emotionally spiritually um they mold our beliefs our belief systems our outlook on 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 the on the world and and our lives and others lives it's literally everything and um i spent a lot of years i mentioned it just off before we hit the the go button but i spent a lot of years kind of being like the victim of my story you know and even the villain at certain points being a drug dealer was being me being a villain in my own story um and now again because I, I learned the lesson by going through these experiences now i stand and so does perry we stand against people being that like being the victim in their story you know no matter what shit they've been through like we all fucking have the ability to write the next chapter and however we want like it doesn't have to be a certain way right at one point i thought that my life was going to end in prison or being or dead they were the two options that I thought my life was going to head down. And I had every reason for believing that, but I'm here today. I have a fucking cool podcast with one of my best friends and my business partner. I've got a beautiful little girl and a partner, you know, a beautiful partner, a, a cool business that we love. I get to interview epic people like you every day. Like this was never supposed to be the thing, but I rewrote the story. So I'm intrigued to know based on your story and what you've kind of been through, what do you stand against? as a coach? That's a really, really good question. And I think I stand against people standing in their own way, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like you said, playing victim. And I definitely did that too. But I think in so many ways, we keep ourselves stuck. And that is what I'm against, whether it's, you know, like your body or your relationship with the gym or it is just your limiting beliefs in this shit stories you've told yourself your whole life that's what i stand against i love it that's awesome and that is a tricky question you're right <laughs> it's all it's I love it, it's a good one. <laughs> thank you um and then i guess just before we wrap it up because we don't want to take too much more of your time i know it's like you said it's like the morning time for you over there right in san diego um but i, I actually I actually want to just ask you a question about your future uh, and really the story that you're telling yourself now about where Lexi the young goes next and kind of what your business does next and, and things like that. Cause we talk a lot about the story in the past tense, you know, and we talk about where we've been a lot and backstory and that's great. And the journey and the transformation, which we've all covered, but like, what does the future look like for Lexi the young and your brand and what you're doing next? So I'm so excited for 2020 um, I'm go one, I'm just working on a lot of different tiers for my one-on-one -on -one coaching, just so I can really help as many people as possible, um, in whatever capacity is best for them, just with where they're at financially, et cetera. Um, we're also going to be doing some live events, which I'm very, very, that is like my bread and butter. That is what I'm so excited about. Um, we're starting a podcast, my roommate and I um so you guys will have to be on there return the favor that's epic uh, that would be, yeah <laughs> yeah that would be so fun um so we're doing that and 
coming out with some new things, but that's all I'm going to say for now. But it's going to be a really, really big year with just lots of new stuff. And um, yeah, I'm so excited. That's awesome. I, I, I have to join you there. 2020 is going to be the best year of my entire life yet. Like I it just, will, yeah, it's got a ring yeah. to it. 2020 is like, it how can it not be the most powerful year of your life? <laughs> right? New decade. Let's go. It just sounds good, man. It just sounds good. Um, Lexi, I've really, really, really enjoyed this yeah. episode today. I, I think there's been a lot of insightful stuff and, um, just want to say thank you so much for coming on, but before you kind of shoot out the side door, um, where can people find you? Like there's, there's obviously going to be people that listen to this um, when we share this out. And I'm sure when you share it out, your audience already know where to find you. But for us, um, where can people come and find you and, and best platforms to kind of link you and stuff? Yeah. So my Instagram is at Lexi, L-E-X-I underscore D young, D E Y O U N G. Um, and then my YouTube channel, you can just search Lexi D young on YouTube. Um, and I upload there a couple of times a week too. So those are my two main platforms. You want to apply for coaching, LexiDeYoung.com. Um, yeah. That's awesome. It. Perry Powers just gone on, uh, he's just gone on, on, on YouTube. Uh, t tell the story about TikTok real quick before we shoot off. Come are on. Are you guys on TikTok? Dude, oh, yeah. This motherfucker's yeah. a celebrity on TikTok. I ain't oh, even joking. <laughs> Listen up. Yeah, this is I, crazy. Uh, uh, I don't know. Have I shared it on, on, a, on a podcast episode yet? You haven't, no. Oh, guys, listeners, listeners, you are in for a right treat right now. <laughs> okay, so I first heard about TikTok and I was like, okay, TikTok is for 12 and 13-year-olds doing dancing videos trying to get famous. That was the perception I had of that platform. Then I see a video by Gary Vaynerchuk talking about TikTok and if you have a powerful message, you need to use that platform because there's a lot of space in that platform but not enough content to fit it up. So if you have a message, use that platform. I'm like, you know what, how about this? I will sign up to TikTok and I'm not gonna do a dancing video, I'm gonna do a video on my story. And all of a sudden it had a quarter of a million uh, views and so many, um, and basically I'm using that platform solely for my message on sexual abuse and hashtag break the silence to try and get as many people as possible who've been sexually abused to break the silence. And that's what I've been using TikTok for. And then last week I did, um, I've done a few posts on there now, but last week I did a video called My Dad's Story and how I was the best man at my dad's wedding. And um, we, you know, we were best, best friends. And then he went down a, uh, a bad path for three years and that led to his death. And that was because he was silent about his sexual abuse. And now that is nearly doing three and a half million views. And the, my DMs on Instagram are blowing up. Now that has completely opened up a completely different path for my personal vision to helping people who've been abused. And you know that can probably lead down a speaking career. But TikTok has literally opened up the floodgates to enable that vision, which has been absolutely insane. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and just to see like, you grow you were growing at like 10,000 followers a day for, for mm. a period of time and still growing now, you know? So. Yeah. People talk shit about these platforms, but they are another way for us to be able to share things that we care about. You can mold it to, to what you want. Are you, are you on there, Lexi? No, I'm not. I've honestly, like, I see a lot of people use it. It's so intimidating to me. <laughs> so intimidating. 
I'm like, I can't do one more thing. <laughs> yeah, platform, it's pretty, yeah, it's like spreading yourself a bit thin, you know, especially if you're on YouTube and you've got everything else going on. It, it does get hard. Um, That's but, so cool. Yeah, he blew up. Um, and when he writes his book, that platform is going to give him like an in, you know, to, to be able to share that and get mm -hmm. that out. So, um, yeah, man, I condone what you did there, bro, because I know it's hard for you to be, you know about your dad as well. Yeah. But um, Lexi, thank you so much for coming on here today. We really do appreciate you. I have enjoyed every fucking last second of it. I hope that we can stay connected. When we're in San Diego next year in August, we're going to hook up. Please do. And thank you guys so much for having me. Like It has been such a pleasure. I love what you guys are doing. Um, it's so, so, so cool. And I'm sure you guys are touching so many people and hopefully, you know, not hopefully you guys definitely are like opening the gates for people to share their stories, which I think is very rare nowadays. It's hard to be vulnerable. So thank you guys for making this such a safe space for me to share mine. Um, and I'm sure also helping other people to feel safe sharing their stories too. We appreciate it. Thank you. That does mean a lot. Thank you very much for joining us, Lexi. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Fit Story TV. We do appreciate it. Everybody has a story that somebody needs to hear, and it may be that someone in your network needs to hear one of these stories. So we do ask two things. One, that you subscribe, rate, and review. And two, tell a friend about this podcast.